You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Who could love a monster? And who doesn't love a great cliche? Hey guys, we're going to be talking about a classic monster movie. One of the movies that set the trends, that set some cliches in place and everything. The 1935 Bride of Frankenstein by James Whale. Hey guys, I'm Joshua Knoll, one of the co-hosts here, one of the co-hosts Whole Church Podcast, geeking out on it. You know, Wednesdays I'm watching She-Hulk, Thursdays I'm watching, what comes out on Thursday? Oh, Wednesdays is Andor, Thursdays is She-Hulk, Friday is Ring of Power, Saturday I'm catching up on Lower Decks, then I have college football, and all the meantime, I'm also in school. So that's as much geeking out as I can fit. I hope no new shows start anytime soon. Joe, <laughs> what are you up to? What's up, everybody? Uh, Joe here, and I have um, none of that problem. It's funny. I there's a whole <laughs> lot of of things going on in the in the geek space, and I understand that this is going to be a little spicy to say, but I couldn't care less about any of it. I've heard good things about Andor. <laughs> I, I've pretty universally heard good things about Andor. So I, I will probably double back and check that one out. But otherwise, yeah, no, I'm not uh, a college ball fan. I'm really not as much of like a football fan or anything like that anymore. So sports isn't yeah. really a thing for me and all of that. But, but through um, our own at-home viewing habits, and a uh, series that one of the local movie theaters is doing. If you guys have been following along in the Priest of the Geeks group, if you haven't been, hop on over to Facebook. We've got a group over there. All manner of nonsense happens every day in that group. <laughs> um, yep. But I've been posting pictures of various movie theater goings with my wife and I. Uh, we just got done watching uh or we just we just the last one we did was uh poltergeist and the next nice. one's actually tomorrow as of uh when this is being recorded we're actually going to go see 1934's the mummy and bride of frankenstein feature man good old universal monster music. which brings us to today's topic i i'm so excited i you guys might remember Back when we did the intro to our Halloween drive-in series that we're we're in, surprised that I was the one who was like, "Let's let's do Bride of Frankenstein," and it is it's just one of those I don't know if guilty pleasures right thing. Universal monster movies are one of those geekdoms that I'm like I enjoy all of these movies, but I don't about because most of the other geeks about it know so much more than I <laughs> that I just feel out of place when I'm talking about it. I'm like, listen, I just I like the movie. <laughs> You know, <laughs> right, right. That's how I feel of whenever I, I cut it up with Lord of the Rings fans. Like, I think Lord of the Rings is fine. <laughs> I'm not as much of a fan of the other stuff, but Lord of the Rings is fine. But like, I am definitely not like a fan like some of the other fans that are that are out there, like to that level, that kind of stuff. So I, I absolutely get that. Yeah, I, I was very surprised that. A, you were pushing for this series for being the uh, Halloween, but B, I'm like, <laughs> Bride of Frankenstein. That's one of those. But it's it's cool because I get it, right? I, being, being a horror head, and I know some, like, especially 90s kid horror, horror fans kind of 
have some some not as nice opinions about the Universal films because they're not or in the same in the same vein. But I, a I argue that from the simple fact of is a look at the genre, like the actual genre, not '90s horror, '80s horror, not '70s horror. Like just look at the horror genre, but also. At dare to tell a story, and that's where it makes sense to me. That somebody like you, mm-hmm. being more and being more of a, uh, a being a fan of the things that I know that you're a fan of, <laughs> this is another avenue to tell compelling stories about characters, even if that compelling character is the monster. And oftentimes, that is exactly <laughs> the position that you find yourself in. Yeah, that's so interesting, and. You see that a lot with like movies like uh, Nightmare Before Christmas movie we're talking about today. There, there's a lot of Beetlejuice, even the bad guy or the scary guy or the zombie or whatever is actually just kind of quirky, you know, yeah. and ends up being the good guy a lot of the times. This this movie is so so one thing I like to ask when I have other hosts on here, Joe, imagine we just went to the drive in. We just watched a movie. What is the first thing you turn to me and say after seeing this movie for the first time? That this is yeah, I don't a movie know. <laughs> that, right? That, that you have to think about it for a second, but there, there's a, uh, this, this is a movie that allows you to see the world through your eyes. It's so weird. Usually when I do this, it's like my, my take was, like, oh, man, that was such a cool movie, you know, or yeah. man, I really liked this one part. That was so funny. I feel like you walk away from this movie contemplating humanity. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's not something that I turn to you and I'm like, hey, man, what about humanity? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I don't yeah, know. You think it's about so- that whole human thing. Like- <laughs> yeah. It's like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but, but that's and, and that's the beauty of this movie. And and this this whole but specifically this movie right like not all universal movies are created equal I I can't think of one in particular <laughs> that like or anything but they but they are unique and varying shades of good in my opinion this is one of those that's really great because if you want something that builds ambiance that tells a story characters and a whole lot of those other things nerds really really seem to value in our world building and things like that this movie is one of them that hits every single one of those points exceptionally well yeah the the only complaint i ever heard about this because this this throws back to you mentioning my disney love is I've heard some people who really love the original. Uh, mind you, this is a sequel to the Frankenstein movie. I forget what year that came out. It was 1931 or something. Something um, like that. Yeah. But this is a sequel. And yeah. this is way before the 70s, which means sequels didn't happen that often. This was kind of a rarity. And a lot of people that do criticize this, which is not a lot of people, but the people who do criticize this, that kind of feel like this is a more disnified version compared to the original. The original was a lot more about the scare and this is more romance humor and that kind of stuff is thrown in with it. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think it takes away from the monsters being scary or particularly gruesome. I mean, Frankenstein does kill more people in this movie than he did the original, the Frankenstein's monster, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nothing you said is incorrect. (laughs) 
but that's not inherently yeah. <laughs> a negative. And that's unfortunately a negative statement. It's just telling a different story. So that's the only thing. And like, I, I'm, I'm well aware of, of the, of the detract you speak of when it comes to this movie. And that's generally the main complaint levied, but like, so what you're saying is the worst thing about it is it's not Frankenstein. Okay. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's not the original. All right. Like it's just a wholly different character. It's a wholly different. And yes, it is a sequel, but it's more sequel in the spirit of an interconnected movie with another monster. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. It, it took the same model that it would have with any of the others. And they did it yeah. that way. And that is what I think. Not not only was it like ahead of its time, it, it told a story a different way than what became popular as sequels, um, mm-hmm. architecture within horror. Because a, a lot of yeah. what's built now, shoulders of your Freddies and your Michaels and your Jasons mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the 70s, 80s, 90s of it all. But this was this this was more about telling a story about another character in the the greater overall universal universe. Universal being so for those of you that don't know, universe created that did the movies from the 20s to 30s to 40s. Um I think the last one was in the 40s. Uh, Ed, if you're listening, brother, down in the uh, comment <laughs> section of wherever you're finding this, um, th- this is a, a style of storytelling from a company that that was more focused on creating a shared universe than sequels of the same continuous storyline. And so would look to out of a typical sequel architecture. But I think that that's part of what makes it so strong, like and so unique. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. And really, this sequel does what Disney tries so hard to do so many times and continues to fail to do. I, I don't call out this one that, that does irk me. Yeah. Disney will often do their rendition of a book or a story, and it's great. And it does well, which to them means we have to do a sequel. And the sequel always is dirty, and it's always bad. <laughs> like, it's never good. They never have a great follow-up. You know, you have... Uh, other other than return of jafar i just yeah there, there's a yeah there are exceptions return of jafar lion king 2 was actually pretty funny but like i'm thinking like when they tried to do little mermaid 2 yeah oh gosh that was it was rough man um or or <laughs> beauty and the bees i mean there's so many like literary works that they like we made an original movie and now we're gonna do a follow-up to right and that's what this movie was really the original frankenstein movie was very purist we're gonna do our best and the time allotted us to redo the 1818 book by, was it Mary Shelley, right? Am I thinking yeah. right? Yeah, Mary Shelley. And I think they do a great job. The The book, the novel is by far my favorite horror book that I've ever read. One of my favorite pieces of classic literature in general, yeah. because it is about Dr. Frankenstein creating life. And he feels like he can do this thing. And as someone who struggles with arrogance, it's a very relatable character where I'm like, yeah, science is so cool. He could do this. And it turns on him because he is afraid of the thing he makes. He ends up being the real monster because he victimizes his own creation. People are afraid of it. They victimize the creation. And the whole story is basically how 
we are the monsters yeah. and our own hubris and stuff is what kind of turns us into that our hubris and fear and it's a big warning story yeah original movie does a great job of covering that from what i remember this one says what happens next and it's made for a completely different audience this isn't made for just the horror audience the sequel was made in mind of this is going to be for a little larger group they're thinking yeah. not necessarily family but more than just horror fans when they miss with the one and i find it really interesting they hate when you call the monster frankenstein Yep. And likewise, you get some of that when you talk about the Bride of Frankenstein. But in these movies, there is a lot of the doctor himself confuses his identity with his creation. So he will end up calling the monster Frankenstein. And he calls this at the end of the movie that he says he has made the Bride of Frankenstein, which is ironic because he is Frankenstein and he has a wife. <laughs> yeah. You know, but he is so confused in identity with what he's making here and his own arrogance here that it's just. That's a whole nother. He keeps getting victimized, keeps the same thing where people attack him and he's trying to you know, do his own thing and he doesn't get aggressive until they're aggressive with him until he meets a blind man in the story. And him and this blind man form a, just an excellent relationship where you actually you see that sometimes being blind is beautiful. And not meaning that literally it was a very on the nose kind of allegory, but I really enjoy that part of the film until basically they try to set the monster up with the bride they made for him. And she is terrified of the monster. The two creations are terrified of one another. She runs behind Dr. Frank. And the ending of this one is basically the monster just gets pissed off and kills everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Including himself. <laughs> if I, if I'm remembering correctly, he just, yeah. Building collapses. That's it. <laughs> so it's it's a tragedy. It's a comedy. It's a heartwarming monster meets blind guy allegory thing. Like there's so much in this. It's just beautiful movie. Yeah. Yeah. Every every character beat matters in this. Everything that's going on. And, you know, one of the one of the the things that I feel like needs to get mentioned in all of this. Boris Karloff. Right. He. Boris Karloff was so he, he was able to put so much into even just the basic movements and basic sounds and basic, you know, th those sorts of things with um, with uh, playing Stein and, and just it, he acted as this kind of universal foil for um for the different pieces that are hovering around him. Right. And just the physical acting of it all on oh, yeah. top of this incredible storytelling just makes for, in my opinion, one of it's easily in my top three of universal films. Um, but, but definitely uh, I would not fault anybody for this to be their favorite. Yeah. Which it is my favorite. Yeah. And I just got to say, when, when we're talking about um, the, the actor, Boris, I can't Boris remember his last name. Yeah. He didn't want the monster to learn how to speak in this one because the monster right. does not speak in the first movie. He didn't want it in this. And how he acts just with the physicality you were mentioning. I don't think it was necessary for the monster to speak. I'm I loved it. I'm glad that that happened. It was to me, it was an important part of the movie. Yeah. But I don't think it was necessary. I um. And then 
the fact that this is like so we're coming out of silent films basically right. and just hearing the uh what the theme in all this like just the soundtrack for this film, absolutely phenomenal like it it is just as good as indiana jones or star wars to me uh, and i'm like this is right when you guys are first learning how to add sound to movies and you make this this is yeah. their man yeah uh, I agree, I agree wholeheartedly. Like they, these movies live and die on the ambiance factor, and they get that in spades. They they successfully did that in spades. Yeah, I just could not say enough good things about this movie. And again, you know, when I'm talking about the blind man, to me, to me, I love that scene because I like positive things. I like Disney movies, right? Like I like the happy parts. Yeah, but that part is very directly contrasted with the other monster that was made for him seeing him and being scared you see the human who was blind able to show him love and the other monster someone of his own kind completely incapable because he's a monster and it's just it's funny because i feel like usually horror kind of focuses on warnings or the pitfall or that kind of stuff but this one does a really good job of also exploring what does it mean to love who can be loved and what is the importance of love and it just it speaks a lot about love in a way that i haven't seen other like i've seen other horror films have a love beat like you just have a love interest but not speak on the nature of what is love like this does oh yeah yeah well that that ties into how it um, portrays humanity, how it deals with that question, how it wrestles with that and, and pokes and prods it in a way that if if the original copied, if the first movie copied the original, the second movie paid honor to the original in the way that the first one copied it. I think it extends yeah. out the beats. I think it extends out what what the first one's doing what the original what the what the original source material is doing so on and so forth but but does so with adding more to the to the picture adding more moving parts to the whole thing and and adding more and and being able to explore that from a different kind of angle um and and honestly what i think about the what i like about these movies is not everything finishes on a bright and happy note, right? Uh, yeah. I, not life doesn't doesn't seem to really come with too many happily ever afters. Um, and this movie wasn't afraid to these these movies are not afraid to not give you your happily ever after. Yeah. Also, just the visual design, <laughs> both monsters. It's fantastic. Just as a side note, how the Bride of Frankenstein, how that monster looked like she has an original idea, too, because you got to think the Frankenstein monster. That's from the book. Right. point. This monster, the director just made up this yeah. just really interesting character. Yeah. And I, yeah, ending the themes. I think that's part of what makes it such a good sequel. Too many times, you, you know, I'm, I'll go to like Disney's Lion King. The one downfall is the original one has this theme of what does it mean to carry on your family tradition, all this kind of stuff. And then the sequel is, but love is great right? and completely changes the theme. I like Lion King too, but a lot of sequels today do this kind of thing where 
it's a completely new theme with the sequel. It's almost like the sequel is just, we want to continue the story, but here's a completely different idea. This one served a purpose. The director had more to say of humanity. And whereas the first about what makes humans different from monsters, right? It's kind of, I think that was kind of the messaging here. We see what role does love have in humanity? And it's not talking just about romantic love, but about this kind of genuinely caring for other people. How does that play into the factor of what is human, which does play into what is the difference between us and beasts, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm 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 very interested to see what my modern brain is going to think of this movie tomorrow when I see it in theaters, because it's in honestly, in some ways, in 2022, I'm more cynical than ever. In (laughs) in other ways, I'm more uh, dare I say loving than ever, and 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 I mean that within the confines of my life and and the fact that that's something that I struggle with when it comes to humanity. But I, you know, you guys have, have heard me talk about things like HP Lovecraft and horror and Stephen King and these different, these different ways of um, telling stories through the lens of, of horror. And I'm not afraid to call out humanity for exactly what it is and i think doing so in love with with the end result being to to glorify god and all of those kinds of things i think calling humanity out for what it is is biblical i'm not mm-hmm. going to sit here and be and be pious enough to to try and tell you guys that i've gotten that right even most of the time um but but i do think that that examination concept of that examination that idea of being aware of what humanity is, where we're at, all of those kinds of things, that that is biblical and that is helpful. And I'm, I am very curious to see how I process overall humanity story beats because humanity is humanity is humanity is humanity. Of We have a lot of reference points from throughout history, either documented in the Bible, biblically, or documented extra biblically or what have you like there's so many there's so many historic history points even outside of just the big you know everybody wants to talk about specific more recent events but like we we can chart this back a very long time to know that humans are going to human are going to human humanity is humanity and so mm-hmm. some things never change there's nothing new under the sun that is biblical and so you know, it's yeah. I'm I'm very intrigued to see how I process all of that because so much of this is timeless, regardless of 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 what time period and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, what's interesting, guys? Don't me. I read this in a book. I don't know what book, so do not quote this. But I, I did read that a lot of people always claim that prostitution is the first you know career that humans had. But if you go back long enough in archaeology and stuff, the oldest things we see humans doing is killing each other. Yeah. So murder might actually be humans' first occupation. And isn't that just a wonderful thing to think about? You know, like yeah. that's that's what we're more inclined to, more so than caring about lust or any of that. We care about getting what's ours in the way of killing one another. 
I, and I won't go too far into it, but I, you know, with, with the vi I've never, I'm not going to lie. I've never gone and done the particular research. Um, I've literally never heard anybody say that prostitution was the first, uh, human, uh, career move, but whatever. Uh, but that from from what we know of humanity, history, Bible, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, there's something unfortunately unsurprising about about that. You know what I mean? About the murder thing. I would actually be more surprised if it was prostitution. And I'm I promise you guys that's the last word that's the last time I'm saying that word. Every time I'm saying it, it has an increased mouthfeel. And I've already said that yeah. word more times in one sitting than I ever care to again. So I apologize for that. But I, I yeah, that that's like I said, I think I think the murder thing I think is is holy thing. And when you talk about things like judgment, right? When because if you're if you if you murder, you're casting a form of judgment over that person. And catch, casting judgment as humans is pastime for a lot of humans whatever it is what it is we're all human but so so for that to be the the main focus point of a movie like this if you're willing to go there and they did that's why you see the level of storytelling that you see is because they took something very real and they were on wholly unafraid to actually poke and as will likes to say hold the mirror up as far as yeah. all of that went you know yeah, and that's where I think a lot of times these universal monster movies or these horror movies or, you know, as much as I prefer a happy ending, some of these movies with a negative ending or a sad ending actually are a more useful yeah. tool for Christians. Yeah. Because it doesn't leave you with what they think the answer is. You know, a lot of right. Disney movies and the, here's the answer, the power is within you or here's the answer, love or whatever. This movie and a lot of the movies like it are showing you where humans lack and where we fall, we're shown that, you know, just like the monster, we need love. We're shown just like the monster will kill one another just out of fear. You know, we're shown all of these things. And the ultimate ending is here is what this lack crescendos into. It, it, it ends in death, just like we know as Christians that sin ends in death. So we're like, yeah, I can totally agree with all of that. And what the movie ends with is the question of what do we do with this? And that's where we diverge, right? Other people are watching it and they might come up with other answers of, well, we need to love one another better and all this other stuff, which I'm not saying is wrong, but I'm saying as a Christian, what I come up with is, yeah, the movie's absolutely right. That's where humanity falls short. But my answer to that is, yeah, because you do this right. thing called love alone. Right. We need God to help us love well. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's where you go down. The more, the more you pull back the layers of a movie that's willing to tell real life tales in a more exaggerated state, that's where you can keep pulling the layers back and see the various points where this concept, these concepts interact with very real and very human experiences and feelings and thoughts and things like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I just, I don't even, even though we are the Christian podcast and we, you know, we know the answer is Jesus. I actually like the idea better of, even letting other Christians sit there and think about where are our shortcomings? Where do we fail? Where are we falling? You know, where are we monsters? You know, I see all the time Christians doing stuff that I'm like, that is, you know, I wouldn't use the term monstrous. Usually, usually I would probably say, you know, hypocritical, or I would say that's evil or whatever. 
But what I'm seeing a lot of Christians do, especially in our own country, the people who call themselves Christians, I'm like, um, we're no different than Frankenstein's monster in this movie. You know, like uh, sometimes you need that. You need that mirror. You need that check. And um, I think this is a good place to really think about that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as we as we bring this one, this this rendition of the drive in um, in, into a close, you know, I would absolutely encourage you guys a if you're into the idea of horror or even horror but like horror that isn't focused on the kills it's more focused on telling a story in a horror or classically gothic setting that sort of thing um definitely check these ones out oh, yeah. these these movies all tell awesome stories in their shared universe and they build off of each other and so on and so forth. And you get to see, you get to see juggernauts, giants of cinema, like Barloff and Bella Lugosi and guys like that. And like, just, just so, such um, performances. So I would definitely say, you know, as you watch these movies, don't be afraid to ask the questions that are per- being presented because that's how you get the yeah. most out of this movie. That means you're going to have to go to some macabre places. That means that you might have to go to some down note places, but there are questions that need to be asked that, that bear that bear answering and, and dare I say are some of the most significant. You're going to be, wrestling with as a human because of all of the implications and ripple effects of these questions as you unpack this stuff yeah and i i even have to say before i get to the end of this i'm not saying this from on top of the hill going i found god and now i'm loving well and you guys could do it too you know i'm i'm saying this as someone who's still more frankenstein but is seeing in my life slowly turning me more towards being like the blind man who befriended the monster, I'm seeing God slowly make that change in me. You know what I mean? But if I'm honest with myself, I still more identify with Dr. Frankenstein and that should scare me. And hopefully it scares some of you too. Yeah. (laughs) Good scary movie. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's a reality check. You know what I mean? And, and that's the hope, right? You, you hope that you become, a little more like Christ every day. You hope that you become a little bit more like the blind man every day. And and that those are the values that you, that you uh, are, are living out. And those are the, the commands and so on and so forth. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, I think where the misstep tends to lie is either assuming you're there, stopping because you're not there or just not trying. And mm-hmm. especially for us Christians, that word that describes what I just said and what we're encouraging you towards is a thing called sanctification. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a 50 cent word. Stand that. Um, look it up. It'll give you some really good <laughs> stuff. But that is a process. And that's exactly asking those questions isn't the negative. It's the reality of where you're at in comparison to where you need to be going. Yeah. And just where it, it leaves you with a question. I'm going to leave you something to ponder on. Uh, when you look in accordance and you look through your Bible, you'll notice sanctification has two different tenses that it's often given in. Occasionally, it's given in the past tense. But more often than not, it's given in a continuing sense, as in something that's continuing to happen to you. And with that, with that question that I'm leaving them to ponder, Joe, we've already answered the question of our favorite Halloween candies at this point. 
So I wanted to ask you a different different question along those lines. Um, it's very simple. Uh, candy corn. That's the whole question. Just candy corn. Yes, no. Uh, I will I will respond <laughs> in, in the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Get behind me, Satan. Uh, <laughs> of course, I love candy corn, so I figured there's no way that Joe likes it. No, no. Gross. Mm. You know what's funny, too, is like people say it tastes like wax and I'm eating it going. I can see why people think that, but I still enjoy it. I, I just could not. That's because you're a savage, Josh. It's because you're a yeah. savage. Yeah. Well, with that, Joe, do you have any other recommendations for them before we close this out? Yeah, no, just just di- dive in. If you're looking for something this Halloween season, uh, dive in here because there's so much there for you to consume. You can build an entire Halloween watching season around Universal Monster Movies. Yeah, I, um, I have to recommend the book, naturally. Yeah. And short of that, because I, I want every one of Marvel, I think it actually might be Marvel's very first character, was Human Torch, not the Fantastic Four one, the Android one. Right. And it is a retelling line, a little bit more modern, and it's graphic art. It has all the same kind of story beats out. I recently reread it, and I'm kind of on a kick with some of those older Marvel stories right now. So you guys might hear me talk a little bit more about that going forward, especially with the Wakanda movie coming out with uh, Namor's going to be in there. So I don't know. You guys hang in there. I'm sure I'll talk more about these things. And if you want to hear us talk about other things, you can go to systematgeekology.org. There's a host tab. Joe and I are on there. Everything else we do is there. And uh, if you don't mind, just do us a favor. And until next time, remember, we are all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.